2: On today's episode, I got the opportunity to talk with my good friend, Liz forkin Bohannon. Liz is the founder and CEO of an amazing ethical fashion brand called Seiko Designs. Not only is she an incredible business person, but she also speaks all over the world. She's been featured in Bloomberg. She's been on Shark Tank. She's earned numerous awards. And she's also got a new book coming out in October called Beginner's Pluck. We were kind of all over the place when we talked, but I wanted to hear about her book. I wanted to hear her thoughts on preachers and sneakers, but also I wanted to learn more about ethical fashion as a whole and why we should buy with intention instead of just the cheapest thing out there. I got a ton out of our conversation and I hope you do too. Okay, here's my conversation with Liz Forkin-Bohannon.
0: I am one of the most, probably for someone who's like, I communicate for a living, I have to sell products for a living, Mm -hmm. I have to use social media. I am, um, my husband jokes about it that like, it's my spiritual gift to be able to like, I can just tune stuff out in my life. I'm like, do I care about this? Is this making me a better person? Am I opting into this? Then yes. And I hang on every word. And if no, it's almost like a mentally not right ability to not know what's going on in the world. (laughs) It's like my office knows that like, Anything in pop culture that happens, there is just a 0% chance I get the joke that I know about it. Unless it happens to be, like, a small corner of pop culture that I have opted into. I think that's right. the difference. I opt into external information, and I consume it super intentionally. And if it isn't something that I've said, I want that, I'm following that, I want to learn more about it. I'm, like, so dumb and blind to it that is. it's honestly probably a shortcoming of me from, like, from a capitalistic standpoint of like being the CEO of a fashion brand, actually you could probably say to my detriment as just like a human that I do feel like is like relatively healthy and happy. Yeah. But gosh, what
2: a like a healthy mental state to be in because all that stuff just destroys your mental state, just stresses you out about stuff that you can't do anything about or that it doesn't have any effect on you. What an awesome way to live. Teach me. Maybe that should be your next book. (laughs) is how to live I like to be that. totally
0: ambivalent to parts of the world <laughs> yeah. that you don't care about. And I will say the things that I do opt into, I haven't quite figured out a healthy balance. Like I would say, I hold a lot of weight in things that I have deemed as like, this is important. I do need to know about it. Even are you though you're talking
2: about like hobbies, or are you talking about like social issues, like world
0: issues and politics and things that it's I like, see. Hey, for me to be like, a good member of society. I need to know how this works for me to be a good member of humanity. I need to know what my brothers and sisters across the world, what their realities are. And I do consume that somewhat, sometimes kind of obsessively and don't have great boundaries. And uh, it can lead to probably creating anxiety. And I, we're just going here. I feel like our current culture says anything that creates anxiety, cut it out. And I'm like, maybe it's okay. Like, Hmm. I don't know that as a child of God, I am called to live this existence. It's like, so if I have some anxiety, if I stay up all night, like weeping over rape as a weapon of war in the Congo, even though I have nothing to do about it. Yeah. What current culture tells me is like, you can't do anything about it. That's stressing you out. That's creating anxiety. Cut it out. Like, and I just am like. Maybe. But does that maybe... maybe, Is there a possibility that that also just makes me more human? And that that, like, my ability to allow my... Because it's like, let's be very clear. The level of anxiety that I'm experiencing hails in comparison to the woman who's being gang raped 20 times a day, being held in captivity by rebel warlords. Okay? Like, Mm -hmm. let's be very real about the situation. Mm -hmm. Like, and if my ability to even hold in a tiny way, so tiny, and I want to be very transparent that I am not like staying up and doing 24 hour prayer vigils for women in the Congo. I'm not Mother right. Teresa. Mm-hmm. But if my ability by way of holding some of that weight and grief and sorrow goes on to then affect me, maybe not an immediate way. It's like, there's nothing I can do about that. No, I'm not dedicating my life towards stopping that. But maybe that is actually Influencing the company that I run, the mission that we have, like in an indirect way, am I existing and operating in the world that, in a very small way, is helping to create like a different future? And would I be doing that if I didn't? If I was protecting myself from feeling all of those bad feelings all of the time? Because our society, yeah, I mean,
2: surely, that, like, surely he's putting that type of weight on your heart for a reason to hopefully affect your empathy or your awareness that maybe of how good you have things. Or, I mean, I know that's even in the past couple of years affected my life to where I've, I've felt grief about the homeless, even though mm. the homeless or the, um, those kids that are getting sex trafficked around the world, like, yeah, I can't, change the massive issue of it myself. I don't think, but I think that he's put those things in my heart to hopefully grow in empathy, awareness, like how my worldview has shifted so that I can maybe appreciate the things I have and also move to a place where I can be more generous mm. in mm-hmm. organizations that help that type of thing. Like yeah. I'm sure that he puts those type of things on our heart for a reason and it's a long-term play. I believe like, that. I, I imagine I, very rarely he's trying to move us to immediate action to sell everything and move to the Congo. But maybe.
0: Maybe. But you won't ever know if you immediately say like, oh, this news is stressing me out. I'm feeling anxiety. And I don't want to like diminish that. But I have a whole chapter in my book <laughs> that's coming out <laughs> October 1st. You are it's a pro. Beginner's Pluck. That's um, called Don't Hide from the Shadows. And the entire chapter is around how I fear that as a generation, we've gotten very confused as to what, quote unquote, finding your passion means. And yeah. that we're ch- basically just chasing happy, easy, bright comfort and comfort. And in the process of doing that, like not only are we going to hurt other people with our apathy and self-servingness, but actually we're really going to like that. Like we were created to hold light and darkness. We were yeah. created to hold deep joy and deep sorrow. And at the point that we are removing, we are, we are not allowing ourselves to experience negative emotions because we're like, no, no, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't, I I need to be happy, I need to be anxiety free, I need to be mm-hmm. this, this, and this. I, I don't need to be overwhelmed, I can't be taxed. Like, are we also robbing ourselves from the ability to experience like the deep joy and connectedness that we were created to? to experience and that yeah. the, like that the root word, and I talk about this in the book, like, and nobody likes to hear this, like all the Pat find your passion, Instagram influencer gurus are like, you know, talking about finding your passion and then, you know, being on and posting from some exotic Island somewhere. And it's mm-hmm. like the, the, the Latin, uh, root word of the word passion is pati, which is Latin for suffer to suffer. It's where oh. the passion of the Christ comes from. Right. So it's like, to me, there's this powerful example of how we have taken a word, we've taken a concept and its root meaning was like, this is something you would be willing to suffer for. You believe this so deeply. You are so passionate about this, that you would suffer passion of the Christ. Right. Um, And yet today you could replace happiness, monetary success, like Mm -hmm. good feelings, good vibes only for the way that we use passion, which actually means to suffer. (laughs) And I think that that is like,
2: I wasn't planning on getting this kind of inspiration (laughs) from you, Liz. (laughs) We were supposed to talk about sandals and purses and sneakers.
0: <laughs> I'll talk about sandal and purses. designs.com. S-S-E-K-O designs.
2: Oh my so, gosh. Go that shopping. is such a good word. And you wrote about that in your book, Beginner's Pluck, yeah, releasing in October.
0: Yes. Thank you. I have a whole, yeah, a whole chapter about that. Honestly, I feel like I could have, could have written an entire book about it, but I am oh just, I think we are at a tipping point in culture and I, my hope and prayer is that the work I'm putting out there and the thoughts might be the beginning of it actually, or maybe not the beginning. I'm sure there are other people talking about it. I just don't necessarily know who they are. Um, that start to like redefine that because I, and I'm, and this is coming from someone I need you to know that it's like, I'm like, I'm so passionate. I'm doing my Mm -hmm. dream job. Like I am, I, I feel like I am a tried and true representative from like the Island of passion and purpose and I'm over here on this side saying, like, I don't think it's quite what you think it is. Do yeah. You think about that, because I think you're getting sold a bill of goods that isn't real. And I'm not saying that it's not good. Like what I'm experiencing, like I want people to have. Like I wake up every day and I'm like, I am I making mistakes? Am I being a jerk? Am I failing? Am I being mediocre? <laughs> like in different yeah. ways. Yes, 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 yes. But am I like actively co-creating? the world that I want to live in? Am am I majority leaning into the gifts I feel like I was given and have a responsibility not just to make the world better for me, but for other people too? Like generally, yeah. And I desperately want other people to be able to answer that question with like, yes, but I don't want to sell them a fake bill of goods to get them there because then once they get there, they're going to be like, what? This isn't what I was And
2: like the requirement like to qualify a quote unquote passion from your perspective is something that you would be willing to suffer for. And so got it. So like people listening now, hopefully, and I'll do a more polished intro of you and what you're doing with Seiko, but people listening now, like you run an ethical fashion brand that helps uh, college age girls in Uganda attend college, right?
0: Correct. Correct. Yep. So we have a nine-month hey, I, work study program.
2: So mm-hmm. women graduate
0: from high school. They test in college because they're brilliant, and top five percent of the students in the country, and I have nothing to do with that. I meet wow. them when they are they're brilliant and on a path towards success. However, there's a nine-month gap between high school and university. And what happens mm-hmm. during that nine-month gap is a lot of these women that are qualified academically to continue on to university don't because they can't find jobs they don't have enough money and they lack the social support to do so and so my company Seiko Designs we basically have like a at our factory in Uganda which by the way is like best in class fashion manufacturing i'm not talking about a bless your heart women sitting on dirt floors in high somewhere. Like we're just like a legit, we basically want to be like the Toyota of East Africa.
2: We make beautiful
0: products. We make them efficiently. We have an incredible management team. We run a tight ship. And so we have a nine month work study program at this factory where women come and they, in between high school and university, they learn how to make the products. And that's kind of the cover story. (laughs) Right. Right, right, right. Um, But then they also get mentorship around things like public speaking and how to deal with uh, bosses and how, you know, how to uh, hold a a full-time job and connecting them with mentors, like in their field of study and those types of things. Um, And so at the end of their nine months, basically all along 50% of their salary goes into a savings account that they're not allowed to access until they continue on to university. And then when they uh, go on to college in August. Not only do they get that fifty percent that they've been saving for the last nine months, but then we match that with a with a university scholarship so that they can afford not only uh, monetarily to continue on to college, but um, have kind of the life skills and relationships and network that they need to be really successful as they pursue. Um, higher education and then go on to be leaders in their communities.
2: That's so huge because it's not throwing money or clothing at someone that doesn't need it. You're literally creating a completely new life or you're facilitating these girls being able to create a life for themselves.
0: Absolutely. And
2: not just, not just like learning how to create clothes so that they can create clothes for the rest of their lives. It's a means to an end so that they can get it. A, an amazing education and ultimately like provide for their families and be meaningful contributors to society. It's just such a huge thing that you're helping them achieve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we, I mean, I am so adamant about this belief that it's like, Hey, every woman in the entire world wants to be able to take care of her babies. Yeah. She wants to do that on her own. And there will be time and circumstances, and I'm talking about natural disasters and famine and, you know, crazy stuff where it's like, okay, charity is the only answer. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. generally think charity uh, needs to be structured in a way that it is temporary and that it is um, serving to kind of work its way out of the need, right? Like we're solving the need in a way that in 10 years we won't need to be around because we solved yeah. the problem. Um, but what we're trying to do is saying like, hey, if the kids need shoes— if the kids need uh, medical, <laughs> if the kids need school fees, why don't we employ their mothers? Why yeah. don't we create systems and university systems and, uh, uh, you know, political systems and societal systems that are all that are governed also by women so that they are creating policies and societies and cultures that are thinking about how women and girls are being valued and taken care of. Um, and so, yeah, that our approach is like a one-two. We, we kind of call it like a top-down, bottom-up approach. So we have... The women in Uganda that were like, these are the brightest women in the country. They will go on to, you know, sit in parliament and be university professors and work for community-based organizations to create change on that level. And then we Mm -hmm. also have full-time women who uh, have come out of the commercial sex industry from a really young age, who are not educated past second grade, who it's like, hey, actually what you need is just a full-time job with benefits, where you're treated with dignity, where you know, you're going to get paid regularly, where you can invest in a home, you know, do all of the things that most people want and need out of their employment. And so our heart is really like, how do we create those dignified fair wage jobs for the women who need that to rebuild their lives and, and to serve their families in that capacity? And then how do we simultaneously use our company as a launching off point um, for really academically gifted women with a lot of leadership potential who do have the capacity to go on and kind of create change on a higher level.
2: That's, that's bananas. That's amazing. <laughs> so to, to tie it back into what you said earlier about passion, I imagine creating a business like this, that's scaled and that's repeatable in a completely foreign country to you did cause you to suffer. <laughs>
0: I mean, I'm laughing, but yes, like.
2: Like probably pure suffering, waking up and be like, this is difficult.
0: There have been some incredibly dark moments. And all the way from just like, I'm literally living out of my car. All my friends have jobs. They've got 401ks. -hmm. Let me be very clear. Like I live in America. There's a social safety net that exists here that doesn't in other places of the world. Like. I come from a family, I joke about being homeless and it's like, I want to be very clear that like, I would never be homeless. Like I come from a background where like I have family and friends that I could crash with. I'm not going to be out on the street. And I want to be like, I hate when people make jokes about being homeless and you're like, no, it's like not the same. Um, however, there is something to be said for like, I haven't taken a salary in three years. I am, I have no extra margin no extra money, all of my friends are progressing in their careers. And here I am Mm -hmm. literally living out of my car and couch surfing and wondering what I'm doing with my life. That's like a a level of kind of psychological (laughs) suffering. Um, And then probably on on a deeper level, just like the suffering that I would say comes from voluntarily exposing myself to work that exposes me to some incredibly Right, incredibly dark, evil things that go mm. on in the world. And I have chosen through my specific brand and through the way that we operate and through the mission of Seiko is that like, I don't talk about those things. And I don't, I feel like in my current place, it's not my place to talk about those things. And we're very adamant about creating a brand that is inviting people into the story of hope and possibility. And that you are partnering with a awesome woman in East Africa. Like this is not a charity. This is not a nonprofit. Um, yeah. And therefore like we are very adamant to not use poverty porn to try to get people to right. buy stuff. That doesn't mean that on a private secret, not secret, but quiet level that there have been some incredibly heartbreaking, difficult Things that I know, like I chose that. Like that is not mm-hmm. the life that I was born into. I have voluntarily stepped into that and not suffered myself, but through relationship and community, am exposing myself to an area of the world that, f- for reasons I will never, ever, ever understand, I was mm-hmm. born into a different world where I didn't have right. to experience those things, and I think I would call that suffering. Like, yeah.
2: I mean, grappling with the guilt, I, I guess, guilt of knowing that there's billions of people out there that are literally living in poverty and specifically in the area of the world that you're focusing on just have all of these conditions and circumstances in their lives that they did not choose yet. They're put through complete misery. And now you're choosing to kind of feel some of the weight of that, to be exposed with that consistently in hopes of being able to help, like purely wanting to help. Yeah. That seems like it could be miserable because you like, it's such a massive part of the world and there's massive evil that goes on there. Just like there's massive evil that goes on in the United States and you've chosen to kind of thrust yourself Mm -hmm. there in hopes of making a difference. Like, yeah. I imagine it's, it feels incredibly fulfilling but also incredibly weighty.
0: Totally, both. Uh, like uh, I will sure I will say word. that I think on average I think it's safe to say compared to the thousands of tens of thousands of people that I've met, I experience more joy and satisfaction and fulfillment in my work than most people that I've met. I also think yeah. I experience more sorrow, anxiety, grief, questioning than a lot of people do. And I think that that's kind of my point in the book. And this there's only one chapter about it. Again, I think I could have written a whole book was mm-hmm. like, I think I get the former because I, I am subject to the latter. And I don't necessarily know if you get both. Uh, right. Sorry. I don't necessarily know if you get, get one, one without the other.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I'm very jealous of you. I mean, that's, I think that's what most of us are fighting for is to to wake up every day and feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good with what I'm doing with my life. Or, like I'm pretty good with the job that I'm working at. And I mean, I imagine the, the majority of people don't feel that about their they job.
0: Don't. It's the whole reason, frankly, that I wrote the book that I wrote because I am constantly having people saying that to me and reaching out to me and saying, how do I do this? And what, where I am by no means an expert, and I'm just not someone that's going to sell you some self-help, like yeah. follow this formula I can say, okay, I hear you. And I consider it an absolute gift and blessing that I am, that I get to say, yes, I do feel that way. And almost to some degree feel like I have, because that feels like a blessing. I, I have a moral obligation and responsibility and what I did with my book was t- just to think really critically about it. And I was 10 years into my career at the point that I wrote this book, which I want to say isn't forever, but it's a good chunk of time. It's a
2: large chunk of time. To
0: be learning. Especially
2: in 2019.
0: Yeah, totally. And to be at the same thing. I am I am doing and my thing that I am pursuing in the world is what I was doing when I was a broke 22-year-old <laughs> living in a $6 a night hostel in Uganda, right? So I've learned That's a lot. Nice. And like my whole book is about like distilling What are the principles, the mentalities, and the beliefs that I have cultivated over the last 10 years that I think contributed to getting me from being a super angsty, you know, college grad who had no idea what her purpose was, didn't think she had a passion, didn't come into the world, didn't have things that I felt like I was inherently gifted at, it was not clear to being able to wake up every morning and say, I do, I feel great about this. I'm running hard, making mistakes, but I feel really called to do what I do. And I feel incredibly fulfilled. And so that's what the book is. That is, it's my, it's 14 principles that it's like, these are things that if you can make these these mental shifts, if you can alter this belief and have that drive your actions, I don't care if you are a stay at home mom with four kids under the age of five, if you are the CEO of a hundred million dollar a year company, if you are in middle management, in a corporation, if you are a solo entrepreneur, I don't care who you are. It, I absolutely believe that these principles, if adopted and acted on, will help you get there and help you build a life of purpose and passion and impact.
2: That's so legit. <laughs> I hope you crush it. I hope, I hope you sell a million copies of this book. <laughs> That's so I'm nice. so impressed with you. Wow. Uh, and I know how hard it is to actually sell copies of a book.
0: It is. So I hope yeah. I hope you crush it. Thank you.
2: Um. And gosh, we are just burning time doing this. You're very easy to talk to. I like it. Um, I'm
0: actually – sometimes I'll just be honest. Sometimes these things are torture to me, and I feel like I get asked the same question 50,000 times, and I'm bored <laughs> by the sound of my own voice, and I'm genuinely enjoying myself right now.
2: Good. I, I watched some of your interviews on YouTube and stuff, and I got a sense about the kind of 10 questions that <sighs> – Everyone asks you and maybe your publicist sends that out. I don't know if you have a publicist, but I was, I was pretty committed to not asking those questions. Oh my gosh. So how did like, Seiko get started? I, it shows uh,
0: and I really appreciate it.
2: Okay, absolutely. Well, uh, I wanted to kind of the, the reason I wanted to hear from you other than like your amazing story, the awesome book that you are releasing in October called Beginner's Pluck releasing in October um, is ethical fashion. So a couple of things. I heard you on the relevant pod. Are you con- a consistent contributor there Yeah. or was that random? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not as I, I can show up about one every five times, but when my schedule allows, I'm on it.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. My one, my one beef with their podcast is I wish they would get to the interview quicker.
0: Mm, fair enough. <laughs> There's a lot <laughs> uh, of chit chatting.
2: Yeah, there is. But I think a lot of people really like it. And for me, for me, I don't know. We can talk about that later, yeah. um, but the 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 first person that interviewed me for my account was Whitney Bach, and she works at Fashionista. And I've been talking with her kind of on and off about ethical fashion because this is something that I've honestly never considered until the past few months. Well, if just the idea.
0: Person, I'll just say this on the record: we connected on this briefly. If there's any person to learn from and be challenged by in the realm of ethical fashion, Whitney Bach is the like. <laughs> I don't know, my pop culture reference. The
2: Grand Poobah. The what? The Grand Poobah. The Grand Poobah.
0: Of? I say the Steve Jobs. I would say Michael Jordan, which goes to show you that, is the most current sports reference I have with Michael Jordan. It's a little dated. <laughs> um, but continue on. She's an amazing yeah. yeah. to learn from am I'm,
2: I'm planning on getting her on the podcast, but it, it's been kind of difficult to schedule because she's been traveling the world, too. She oh. lived, lived in the Philippines, I think. Yeah um, earlier part of the year. So I plan on getting her thoughts on this too, but I wanted to ask you about what do you think that means for us specifically, I guess, as, as Christians and maybe non-Christians too, like considering where the things we buy come from. So like the biggest, the biggest thing that comes up is like on my account, I post a lot of Nikes and I post a lot of Adidas's, And up until this point, I had never considered like hey, I wonder if we should be buying these at all because potentially there are children making these in Asia. Does that come up? Like, have you had those discussions with people? And specifically from a Christian perspective, do you think that we should be like going all the way to the beginning of the supply chain when we buy things?
0: Yes, of course. And that's super complicated.
2: Uh, Right. Okay. You know, so, so yes,
0: have I talked about it? Yeah. My whole life, frankly, is built around this concept that we as consumers have an incredible amount of power. And if we learn how to wield that power in a way that aligns with our beliefs, we can make an incredible, beautiful legacy impact simply by altering our purchasing habits Uh, compared to the work that we could do. Like every human that I know spends more money than they do give money. Right. Um, And so therefore our purchasing power is way more powerful just by, by nature of how much we're giving versus spending. Um, I also think that business and capitalism and jobs like have an incredible power to lift people up and to give dignity and to give hope and to give Opportunity. And the way that I like to think about it is less like, hey, don't buy that product because you're supporting maybe you're supporting slave labor. And Mm -hmm. more, so less of a like, don't do that message, and more of like, hey, come over to this side. Right. Can be a part of. Like, and in my world, I'm like, people, I'm not even asking you to like take a vow of poverty and look dumpy. I'm saying, Mm -hmm. here's a stunning leather bag that's super functional. You can wear it six different ways. You can travel with it. You can, you know, put it on your suitcase. It's got zipper pockets. It's made with stunning oil tanned leather that is the same leather that you'll find in designer bags, frankly, that are four times as much. And by wearing this bag, it's going to make you look really good. And you're going to feel great about it. You're going to be a part of this story. You are going to contribute to a, to a woman in Uganda who is, doing the best she can and dreaming huge bold dreams for herself and her community and who wants to create change and by buying our bag instead of a bag that may have been made with slave labor but maybe it wasn't even and it's just like going into this like giant corporate machine and those huge you know it's owned by a huge company, a huge holding company and those profits are yeah. being, you know, shared with, with I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this intrinsically. I don't think capitalism or venture capital is evil by any means. But it's like, hey, you could be contributing to that and making the the absolute wealthiest people in the world wealthier or you could come over to our side and like get all the benefits of having a beautiful wardrobe, having mm-hmm. stunning products, and I will say like the monetary value of waking up in the morning and putting on clothes and carrying bags. And when you see that product going, this is cool. Like now I'm thinking about Josephine who is a mama of three. And I know that she lives in Uganda and I know that because when I bought this bag, it was, you know, signed with her name. And I'm not even saying you're having this like super conscious thought every time you pick up your bag, but it it changes the human spirit to get dressed in the morning and to say like, I'm a part of something that I'm proud of. And, uh, I, that is my invitation more than my challenge of like rid yourself because I think frankly it is, it gets really difficult. And some of those huge companies that you named, like there is really big efforts in attempting to clean up the supply chain and to be held more accountable. And we're seeing a really, we are seeing a significant shift in the marketplace. We are way far away from it being awesome, but I do think that it's moving in the right direction. Um, But I will say, I think that there's a monetary value to customers to having that level of satisfaction and to being a part of that story. But my hope is that they don't at all feel like they're sacrificing their wardrobe, their style, how much money they're spending. I don't want to brag. Like, I look great today. Like <laughs> I look fin- like I would walk down the street.
2: He's the and- most humble ethical entrepreneur <laughs> out there. folks. So.
0: And I'm wearing all ethically produced clothes, mostly from Seiko i have
2: one. Yeah, what uh so speaking of this weekender duffel bag and oiled chocolate looks uh quite nice <laughs> under the men's tab here. Um in that regard, what kind of what's your rebuttal for people like about the cost thing? Say like I can't afford it. Or I,
0: I the absolute the thing that I would just say is that uh I would just encourage people to look at the cost per wear. And uh Hmm. buy more, we buy like four times the amount of clothing and accessory units than we did 15 years ago. And like something crazy. I need a fact checker. I don't know what it is. Whitney Balk would know. I think it's Hmm. something nuts, like 30 times what we did 50 years ago or a hundred years ago. So the reality is it's, it's not that you can't afford it probably actually. And I you know what? I don't want to say that. If you're living below the poverty line and like you are just scraping by and you don't know where your next meal is coming from, I'm actually not talking to you. And for you, I'll be,
2: okay, like,
0: do your thing. Like buy just, thrifted, like, try it. to buy secondhand when you can. But girl or brother, I am with you. I am for you. Like, do not feel guilt over this. For yeah. the person, I just hear a lot of people who are like, I can't afford it, and then it's like, no you're just super unaware of your spending because you bought four pairs of sandals from Target at $29 over the last six months. And when you multiply 30 by four, you get 120. Your mentality of what you can afford is super skewed because you think you need four new pairs of sandals this summer, but you don't want to spend $100 on sandals. So instead you're going to, when you went to go get Uh, orange juice, you're going to grab a pair of flip-flops and you're not really going to think about that. And it's not really going to register because they were only 30 bucks. But I really bet if you sit down and get real, real about your budget and your spending, and you look about how you're spending your dollars, if you shifted that exact same amount of money and was super intentional about what do I need in my wardrobe? What am I actually going to use? And you bought products specifically like Seiko that are like these, you know, we have people that have been wearing our ribbon sandal is our flagship product. It's got like a leather mm-hmm. base and then these interchangeable straps.
2: That's but, what you started with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's what we started with and still makes up a pretty big chunk of our revenue, which is That's awesome, shocking. But um, we have women in our community who bought their Seikos when I launched the company in 2009 and have been wearing them for 10 years. We designed them in a way so that when the straps start to get like a little grimy, you can throw them away. You can throw them in the wash. That's, you know, 10 bucks and yeah. very little waste and you can replace them. But that base, you know, of rubber and leather and those like components that were really created to last are going to last you. We just had a woman in our community. She's a Seiko fellow, which by the way, have no whole other conversation about this. Seiko is, we're a direct sales model. So we work with women in their community. We used to be a wholesale model. We now no longer sell through stores and instead we only sell through uh female impact entrepreneurs so they sell the product to their community they share the story they style their friends they earn an income it's awesome sweet it's the most beautiful community of it's just awesome it's like we just have women that are just for each other and that are running this race and that are trying to build lives and businesses of purpose and passion and impact and i'm like obsessed with them and i'm all in
2: I love where this conversation was going so much that I couldn't interrupt, but I have a sponsor who's helping fund this podcast. No one asked for, and we're going to take a second to hear about them. Hey, yo, what up? This episode of the Preachers and Seekers podcast is brought to you by Reshovinator Shoe Care. If you're like me and only have a few pairs of kicks, you got to be keeping those fresh at all times. My favorite pair of sneaks are my triple wide ultra boosts, and they're an absolute dirt magnet, but Reshovinator provides everything I could possibly need to keep those kicks mega clean and at a reasonable price. All my listeners can get 10% off their whole order by using the code PREACHERS at checkout. So check them out at reshovenator.com and be sure to use the code PREACHERS for 10% off. It's helpful to have It's helpful to have a sales force, quote unquote, that are also brand advocates for you. Oh my gosh, you.
0: it's the best ever. I, I mean,
2: imagine that's incredibly effective best, for you.
0: And they're like, you know, with other direct sales companies, I don't know how much you know about, direct multi-level marketing there's some things about i
2: know i know a tad okay
0: but you know the typical company you're like selling stuff to earn an income and like you know win this trip like wherever and like our fellows are working their butts off to win a trip to uganda it's just a very different experience you know so so that they can like meet their colleagues and learn about how the products are made and have this really transformative relational experience with women that come from a very different context and to build relationships and The motivation is really different. Now, don't get me wrong. You can also make some serious money because I am very adamant that it's like I don't just care about our manufacturers getting paid fairly. Like if you're a woman here in the U.S. and you're like busting butt, if you're working, you should be earning a full time living wage. I want you to make money. And the more we have set the model up so that it is like the more money you make, the more of an impact that you're having, which is totally contradictory to the nonprofit model, right? Which is the more money you take, the less money there is for the work, for the initiative, whatever it is. And in our model, it's like, no, 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 no. Our highest income earners are our impact makers. They are the women who can say, I am single-handedly responsible for creating X amount of scholarships this year and for sending these women to university and for creating full-time dignified jobs. And I'm doing that by selling awesome products to my friends.
2: That's amazing. I I assume... A lot of people just don't think through the math behind, like, uh, what, what did you say? Pay per use or pay yes. p- uh, per wear? Oh, yeah. I did go on a, like, that. I don't think about that, but I think that that would be a meaningful first step to say, like, okay, if I buy this, I'm going to wear it 50 times. What can I actually afford?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. But, Your cost per wear should be the thing that
2: cost per wear. About.
0: So, <clears> like, <throat> that duffel bag that you're looking at, how much is that? $300? can't remember.
2: Uh, 400. $400. Okay. It looks amazing. That
0: will be a bag so. that you will have easily for the next 10 years, if not something that you could pass on to your son. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, like a, a buckle might break, but it's made mm-hmm. in a way that it is all repairable. It's made from a material. We specifically use that type of leather. It's called oil tanned leather because it ages beautifully and these are the types of pieces that like when you spill something on it which you're going to and when it gets a little scratched up it adds to the like character and patina and richness of a piece as opposed to a lot of other materials yes. you know like you think about like a fake leather uh, we call it vegan leather which is such bullcrap it's like okay it's plastic but we really re-branded <laughs> vegan that You know, that when that starts to wear, it starts to peel and it starts to crack and it starts to look really crappy. And like I just got done like yesterday, I took probably 20 minutes and I conditioned and finished, like used a kind of wax on one of my favorite leather pieces. And I just it was so nice. Like it's such a (laughs) it sounds so like, I don't know, old school, but it's like this is. I love taking care of my stuff and I love buying stuff that it's like, yeah, it might actually require a little bit of maintenance and thought, but that feels really like even just the act, and I don't do it that often. And so it's very fresh on my mind because I just did it yesterday. Like the act of taking care of my product and like conditioning it and taking care of that. I'm starting to sound very Marie Kondo right now and like thinking <laughs> it.
2: The joy me, that you find. You
0: know, like, um, But like, I think that like I, that aligns more with who I want to be And this. Maybe this sounds crazy that it's like, yeah, it's not a person, but it's like, that's who I want to be in life. I want to be somebody that takes care of stuff and people and hearts and minds. And like, I, maybe people will disagree, but when we as a consumer are like, get it, consume it throw it away, move on to the next thing as fast as possible. That changes this, our spirit. And I'm not going to say, well, if you buy fast fashion, you're going to treat people like crap. I will say, I think about life and I think about my existence as a human on planet earth pretty holistically and say like, okay, if this is what I believe about how I treat people, how does that translate to how I think about food? And how does it translate to how I think about fashion and my stuff? And, um, and I think that there's a lot of like, validity to that conversation. Um, I don't think it's like super, hang on just a second. Hey, I can hear, can you hear those noises? Uh, just barely. Okay. It's just kind of loud when you're doing that. I'm recording. Thank you. Um,
2: are you parenting while you're podcasting?
0: Well, that was my husband. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's working on, uh, getting our internet set up, which I'm super grateful for. And you're awesome. Scott. um, <laughs> So what a saint. (laughs) um, Okay. Yeah. So that being said, I think these principles of how we think about ourselves as consumers and as humans, and you might not, you really might be in a place where you can't afford it, but you might be like probably more people are than not someone who just needs to slightly shift how I'm thinking about spending the pieces that I'm willing to invest in, how I'm going to take care of it um, so that I can build a wardrobe that is reflective of my beliefs about the world. And for yeah. us, they go, our belief about the world is that we are all co-creators and we have the potential to build a just and bright future and that we are all deserving of dignified opportunities. And so I
2: think that's so fair, like such a fair ask of people to say, Hey, at least consider why and what you're buying, like at a minimum, just consider the impact of why you're buying something and how you're going to take care of it. The issue for me is the moment I spend more than $30 on something, I'm just going to spill food on it. Any shirt, any shirt that I buy, I'm just going to get it stained the first time I wear it. So, maybe that's it is. And honestly, apparel
0: and things too, but it's something one of the reasons that I'm obsessed with leather is because of that. It's like I'm a mom and I have a leather diaper bag. There are so many women that look at that like, that's crazy. You're going to spill milk on it, you're going to get poop on it. Like, you need to be able to throw it away in six months. And my perspective is like, no, I chose this material so carefully. We either do like a pebbled leather that has a finish where you can basically wipe it off, or an oil tan leather that patinas with time so that skews the crassness, the poop and the milk and the baby food actually becomes a part of the story of
2: gives it the life.
0: And it like gives it gives it the life. Because I like I totally get it. I've I have two kids under the age of three. I'm constantly covered in stuff and I have to be intentional with that. Um, but it's one of the reasons that leather is like one of my favorite materials is because of, because of that longevity. And because it's like, I know I just had my entire water bottle spill in my backpack um, on my last trip, like two days ago. And it, you know, put a big stain in the bottom of my bag. And I was like, cool. I know that (laughs) like, that's just going to add to it, you know? Um, And so I think that that like thinking about the materials that you're buying and like, where will it wear? Well, will it have longevity? Is a very legitimate part of the conversation. And I probably, We'll never be somebody. I will, I think let's mark my words here on this podcast. Like I'm probably never going to be anybody that pays a hundred dollars for like a white t-shirt that needs to look and stay really crisp and white.
2: Right. Like the high fashion level t-shirts and stuff.
0: Right. I think,
2: I think I really like your perspective on leather and why you buy things. And I think it's convicting to me because I, I've i gone to TJ Maxx a million times and just bought a bunch of crap only to either outgrow it or wear it a couple of times and then stain it and throw it away. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's worth considering
0: and the impacts of I all think that. Think about who you're benefiting, even if it's not doing anything wrong. Like, do you feel awesome about contributing to like the investors of TJ Maxx? You know, like, <laughs> no. but no. like if you... It will change you. Like when you think about, like when I buy stuff off of Etsy or I, you know, have a I just got um, a new set of mugs from a local ceramics artist and she's a female, Sweet. owns her own business here in Portland, Oregon. And I can legitimately tell you her name's Margaret, Margaret and Bo look her up on Instagram. Stunning stuff. Okay. I can legitimately tell you when I wake up in the morning and my husband makes me pour over coffee and I'm the luckiest woman on planet Earth. Stumptown? Uh, no, it's way better than Stumptown. It's called Roseline, which is the best coffee in Portland. It's not as like okay. sexy. Uh, people don't really know about it as much as the other ones. But no, it's it's the best, best, best. Hashtag. Nice. Come up too. We'll but when I put my coffee in her mug. I'm like, I just feel good about it. I like think about her and that she's a woman and that she's this beautiful little garden. And she's like doing her art and she's like pursuing life in like a way that I admire. And like, I get to be reminded of that when I like look at my mugs in the morning and like, I like that. Like that is so much better than the, than the, what I get when I pull something out of my closet that I bought on clearance at like Marshall's, um, even if we're not even talking about like this, like intense, ethical, moral, huge issues. Like, frankly, like just like, it's just a better way to exist. Like it's happier, it's better. You know, I, I saw somebody post on Instagram once, like every time you buy a product from a small business like someone does a happy dance and I loved that it's cheesy and it's kind of trite, but it's actually true. Like you get to be a part of helping someone pursue their own passion and actually make a living out of it and send their kids to school and hopefully get to vacation a little bit with their family that year. And like, I, I want to do that. That's fun.
2: That's, I mean, that's, that's getting up to be Marie Kondo. Level <laughs> living. There Liz, but maybe that's how we should all be living. Uh, I want to be respectful of your time. You've, Uh, we've gotten lost in this whole conversation, which is awesome, which is a good sign. I wanted to quickly ask you about Preachers and Sneakers. Yes. Because you had a cup. The reason I reached out to you after the relevant conversation was that it felt like you were at least giving me a little grace in (laughs) kind of how I was portraying things versus some of their other perspectives there, which I get why they have their perspectives. But I I, I just wanted to get your quick take on what do you think about this whole people being upset about some of these pastors wearing, you know, sneakers that could be resold for five grand or that are, or like the Gucci stuff that retails at five, six, $700. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Or is it an issue at all to you?
0: Yes. I think it, I am very put off by it because one, like I think my first thought is the, like the ethical fashion component of it, of like, man, you all have influence. You're standing on front of thousands of, you know, in front of thousands of people who want to buy and wear what you wear. Here's just like a way that relatively easy you could use your platform and influence to literally change lives. And instead, you're like making Gucci, who's probably owned by, I don't know, LVMH or like some huge venture capitalist like conglomerate, mm-hmm. richer. That just feels like a bummer to me Um, that it's like you stand for a certain set of principles for some things and then yet like the way that that translates into your life isn't necessarily consistent. And I say that in a way of going like no one's perfect and I don't think that just because you stand on a stage – You should, you know, like be lambasted or go through, you know, 50 points of like, do you know how every single thing you made was possible? But it's like at the point, I do think with great privilege comes great great responsibility. And like, Mm -hmm. I am such a tiny fish. I'm so pathetically small in my level of influence compared to most of these people. And yet even still, I think about that. I'm like, how what is this saying to the people that do look to me? Like, is this this a behavior I want to encourage them? I think a lot about, you know, the the call in scripture that it's like, it's not even necessarily all the time about right and wrong. It's about like, what's best? What's most edifying? What's like most helpful? And I would say standing in the house of God wearing $1,200 sneakers, I don't even care if you didn't pay for them. Like, is it the best? (laughs) Is it the most edifying? Is it the most glorifying? Is it the most uplifting? And do Mm -hmm. I think that you should go to hell or lose your job or like, because you aren't like, no, but are we allowed to ask like, could we do better? Like, is there another option? Could we move forward in another direction? Um, And Jesus talks frankly, a lot about money and power more than anything else in the entire Bible. So there's also that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that it's like, if you're doing something on stage that is inciting into the hearts of your congregants a level of, I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. I'm not making enough money. I don't have the right shoes. You know, it's kind of like, well, is that what you want to be doing? Is is your desire to wear a certain cool sneaker greater than like the hearts of those that you are stewarding? And frankly, if what you were wearing, even if it was still, because I think you could make the argument about Seiko, frankly, that it's like, okay, well, you know, if you carry that $400 duffel bag that we made, uh, are you making other people jealous of that? And the answer, frankly, might be like, yes. But my hope is that that train of thought that you might inspire someone is like, oh, I, but I know that that bag has this awesome purpose. And it was made in a really beautiful way. And maybe I can yeah. think about my spending in a different way. Or if and when I do ever make that money, I would like to be able to spend my money in a way that not just glorifies myself and my own image, but also contributes to this like, greater story. And I think as leaders, that's the process that we need to be thinking through. Like, if I want people to follow me, I need to follow that logic out and say like, so if I'm doing something, do I want everybody else to be doing it? And if the answer to that is yes, then like, great, go forward in it. If the answer is like, well, no, I don't want that. I think you should probably pause and like, maybe think (laughs) about your actions a little bit.
2: As a, as a founder and CEO in your own right, have you, have you dealt with that tension yourself? So, like, I kind of as as we're talking through your company, I've thought like, have you run into some of the same type of criticism? Basically, saying, "Hey, you're selling this stuff. You're probably getting rich off of it. Yes, you're helping other people, but have you ever had to consider like, hey, maybe we shouldn't buy the BMW versus the suburban or any level of that type of? Hey,
0: you know what I life want to say to that is like, you should ask me maybe in another ten years. <laughs>
2: frankly
0: (laughs) i'm just being very real like
2: i haven't seen your financials so i have no idea
0: and we're just at a place in our business where we're so much more excited about growing our company and growing our impact than we are making a lot of money so it's like we take what we need to take we put everything else back into the business my husband and i drive the 2004 Honda Accord that he bought when he was in college and the 2005.
2: Incredibly dependable Honda
0: element that we bought when with the money that we got from selling all of our wedding presents, because that's how poor we were. We sold all of our wedding oh my presents gosh. and bought a Honda element so that we could live out of it. And listen, I'm not saying, oh my gosh, woe is me. I've, you know, taken about poverty. <laughs> I've just said right now in this season of my life, I'm not all that concerned with making a ton of money and don't actually have the, I haven't faced legitimately the, like, do I buy a BMW? I'm like, does this car get my babies from point A to point B? <laughs> and if so, but, that's great.
2: <laughs> have you, have you had to consider optics though? Like of going on a vacation and posting about it? A
0: hundred percent. And I am.
2: So you think that's a valid critique yes, of
0: absolutely. a public? And I will tell you. The life that I am living, the money that I am spending compared to some of these mega pastors from what I've seen, primarily, frankly, just from you (laughs) out of the world. I follow you. And then thank you. So you are like my window into this world. I like a one, one hundredth of the level. And yet like, okay, so here's, here's an example. I'm crazy, crazy about free stuff and like Working the system when it comes to like credit card points, crazy about it. My house okay. applies to every, yeah. everywhere we go. We have it paid for a vacation in four years. We travel,
2: that's dope. Yes.
0: We do it all on credit card points, and I'm like obsessively maniacally excited about how I can make Chase pay for my life and my vacation. <laughs> That being said, so like we –
2: Chase is still winning. I don't know if you know that.
0: Yes. Chase.
2: They're still winning in the long run, I think.
0: Well, it depends what your definition of winning is, but yes. Um, You're right. I, so we just went, I think, I don't know, maybe in like March, we took our boys and we went to Mexico. It was only four days, but it was great. We needed it. We stayed at a super nice resort all with points. Like we never would have paid that money if it was just like out of pocket, Mm -hmm. but we had points that we needed to spend. And when I was there, made a super conscious decision to like, I'm going to post pictures of me and my family on the beach because my kids are very cute and they're even cuter (laughs) on the beach, but like, do not feel the need. To, t- to show everybody where I'm staying because it's like, I didn't pay for this. I'm not, spend- you yeah. couldn't have even critiqued me for how I was spending my money. But like, I don't know, what's the benefit of like showing somebody that? Like if it's not gonna make them, I, my, primarily, my primary goal with my public persona is either to help me advance my business because I believe deeply in it and I want it to be successful or mm-hmm. to just straight up encourage people, make them laugh make them think different about their own life and like posting about staying at a super nice resort in Mexico doesn't check any of those boxes for me. And just not that big of an ask, like just doesn't seem like that big of a deal to say like, I'll keep those photos for my friends, when I come back home and show them like my actual real close friends that know me and will speak. That
2: aren't going to just envy you. You
0: get to say like, you guys look at this place that we stayed. It was so awesome and feel total freedom and being able to do that. Like, nope, the, my like quote unquote internet friends don't need to know that it's not glorifying. It's not edifying. Can't see how that's going to hit any of those boxes. So just like, is it a big deal to say, so no, just like, won't put it there. And that's where I just feel like as a culture, it's like, we feel like our right to do things sometimes outweighs like, sure, I have a right to do that. I don't think I would have been in sin to do that. I don't think I would have been wrong. I don't think, but it's like, I don't know. seems like a better practice to just say like, it's not going to like make a big deal out of it.
2: Yeah. I've, I've, I've progressively come more, become more and more convicted about that. Like I had a conversation with another guy that I interviewed uh, on the podcast JP. He was a pastor in Waco and he made a really good point about like a lot of the reason that we post things on social media deep down is is you want people to envy the life you're living, where you're at, what you're eating, the new purchase you got, a new job that you got, and by posting those kind of things, you're causing them to sin. And as Christians, we care we should care about Causing others to sin, and so I've I've I just felt a lot more convicted about the reasons behind why I post things on my personal social media, and I haven't in a long time. Um, I just think it's worth considering.
0: It's worth so considering. like, I've, and I don't, yeah. I think each of us are called to different things, and that's why it's important to have friends in our life who are like holding us accountable because it is nuanced and it's all about your like heart intention. And frankly, what might be right for one person might not be right for the other person, and I think that that's okay. Like I also feel. Like, as consumers of social media, it's actually not 100% on the producer. It's also on the consumer. Like, if you're following somebody, I've done several posts about this because it really fires me up. If you're following somebody that's making you feel jealous, that's making you feel less than, that's making you feel insecure, put on your big kid pants and press the unfollow button. Like, <laughs> that's on you, boo-boo. Like, yeah, just stop. Like, you, and we kind of talked about this earlier, but it's like... You have control over what you put into your brain and your mind and your heart. And like you can sit there and you can boohoo the world about someone's not making me feel right. And I think that there is a conversation to be had on that side. But like, don't put all of your energy into pointing the fingers outward without asking yourself that question of like, but maybe also I could take a little bit of self-responsibility and just like stop consuming that thing that's making me feel crappy um gosh
2: you got you got you got me ready to flip a table and punch (laughs) a wall right now liz bohannon
0: well i hope it's an this is why table
2: i think yeah an ethically sourced table is that what you said (laughs) uh this is why i think people like you because you have a very concise entertaining way of conveying thoughts that they wish they could say. Oh, and I'm, I
0: appreciate that. I am
2: very impressed. Um, (laughs) you've given me, you've given me 16 minutes extra of your time that we didn't sign up for. So I'm very grateful if people want to, uh, I usually ask if people want to rebuke you (laughs) online, what's the best way that people can find you on the internet? People can
0: rebuke me over on Instagram (laughs) is my favorite way to be rebuked at um, at Liz Bohannon. And then my company is Seiko Designs and that's S-S-E-K-O Designs. And you can find us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, the whole nine yards. Don't talk to me on Twitter because I got locked out of my Twitter account. I don't know, probably know. three years ago and haven't done the work to get back in. So I won't hear your,
2: it's not worth it
0: <laughs> if you do it over on Twitter. Um, so yeah. And then, um, as I mentioned before, the book is called, uh, beginners pluck and that is uh, you can find us at beginnerspluck.com as well.
2: That's awesome. I can't wait to read it. Uh, last question for you. When are the Seiko high top sneakers coming out?
0: Ah, well. Wait, am I allowed to use your real name on this? No, I use your fake name. You can edit this out. Use my fake name. Well, Tyler, <laughs> Sorry, that was weird. Um, they are not out yet, but when they are, I want to assure you that you're going to have the first pair.
2: Let me get those exclusives, please, Liz.
0: Exclusives.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, uh, Liz Bohannon, you were a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time and I hope to talk to you again
0: likewise really appreciate it and I really do I think what you are doing in the world is interesting and it's creating meaningful conversation about important topics um and I'm just yeah it was it was a good uh good thing to connect for me and you gave me some stuff to think about and I love that I love thinking new thoughts and connecting new dots and uh maybe even challenging what I came into a conversation with and I would say you provided that for me so appreciate you
2: that's awesome. Well, it's an honor to be able to provide that for you, How, however unintentional it was. Hope to talk to you again. Hey, y'all, I really appreciate you checking out the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. If you haven't already, please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. Also, if you haven't checked us out on Instagram, we're always posting at Preacher's Letter N Sneakers. And again, if you haven't checked out the Patreon, please head over there, patreon.com slash Preacher's and Sneakers. There you get to support the pod. Everything we're doing at Preacher's and Sneakers, we've got a lot of awesome content coming soon. So please keep an eye out. And thanks again, as always, for listening to the Preacher's and Sneakers podcast.